Welcome to Legislative Breakdown, a podcast from Boise State Public Radio. I'm Samantha Wright with Gary Moncrief, Boise State University political science professor emeritus, who spends all his spare time studying legislatures around the country, including Idaho's. And in this podcast, we break down the Idaho legislature, what's happening, drilling down into the why and the how it affects you. And coming up this week, we have a very special guest. In just a few minutes, we will bring that guest on. But first, let's talk about some of the things that happened at the Idaho legislature in the past week. We had all kinds of concerned citizens who came this week to talk about mandatory minimums to end drugs on drug sentences, to talk about gun laws, to talk about uh, sex education and opting in. And a very strange one that came up on stadiums. Gary, tell me about this this vote. It's actually about money and urban renewal districts. This is a proposal. This requires money that's being used from urban renewal funds for stadium or in some cases some other kinds of public purposes to uh, require a, a vote, a referendum essentially on whether or not to pursue that. And obviously this is aimed at the city of Boise at this point. And it got a little heated in the committee hearing that happened in House Revenue Tax this week, House Revenue and Taxation, with uh, Representative Robert Anderhurst, uh, who brought the legislation forward, followed by Matt Erpelding and then Mike Moyle. So take a listen. I think it does a good job of trying to recenter uh, what urban renewal does best and um, and brings a lot of these questions back to the voter, uh, which is also the taxpayer that ultimately is responsible to pay for these uh, decisions. The primary problem is that there isn't any public input on these type of projects. I have never seen a piece of legislation more targeted at a single city ever before. Legislation like this coming from legislators who do not live in that jurisdiction is frustrating. Changing an urban renewal district that, that lies in District 19 specifically, even though don't live in District 19 and not talking to the representatives specifically about the change is just a frustrating thing. When you create those urban renewal districts and take all those revenues away from the county, those of us in the outlying areas are also affected. So while you may think it only affects District 19, it raises the property taxes on everybody throughout the county and any of those other overlying districts. So I'd remind you, this is not just your district. This is the whole area. You know, regardless of how one feels about the stadium issue and whether there should be a public voter on it or not, this is a good example of something we've talked about in the past, and that is that state legislatures often bump up against their own cities, uh, their own local governments generally, but especially cities. And one of the reasons it's especially cities is that cities tend to be a bit more intense in terms of their governing because of the nature of cities and because they tend to be more progressive often, especially larger cities than the legislature happens to be. You know, we've talked about this in regard to some preemption bills before. It's just not at all uncommon, but it makes local governments very uneasy when they see this kind of thing.
So with us today is Celia Gould. She served in the Idaho legislature for 16 years, is that right? That's correct. Representing uh, the Twin Falls area. She's been director of the Idaho Department of Agriculture since 2007. And she and her husband, Bruce Newcomb, have a couple of cattle ranches in Buell and Declo. And you remember Bruce. He was our very first guest on Legislative Breakdown, and a great guest he was. Celia, welcome. We wanted you here to talk about being in the legislature and then being in, I guess it's the cabinet, um, and and the difference therein. Right, Gary? Right. Yeah, I think one of the reasons we wanted to, to have Celia on is not only is she well-spoken, uh, she has a lot of experience in state government in Idaho, both in the legislature and now, as you mentioned, Samantha, in the executive branch. And I think that gives us an opportunity to talk to somebody who who has a different perspective on the legislature because she's both been in the legislature and now she works for the executive branch and has to deal with the legislature <laughs> from time to time. In fact, quite a bit, given her particular position. So, Celia, will you tell us just a little bit about your job? Well, Gary, that's always when I get asked that question, it's always a tough question for me to answer because no two days are the same. You know, we we direct policy, but as the agency itself uh, is 100 years old this year. Wow. That's you almost know, as old as Bruce, isn't almost it? Almost as old as <laughs> Bruce, not quite, <laughs> but in a little better shape than Bruce, I hope, or I, maybe they need to find a new director. No, the, the agency, when it was established 100 years ago, it was set up for uh, the regulation and, and help in assisting farmers and ranchers with controlling pest and disease and plants and livestock, and also the orderly marketing and promotion of ag products. And 100 years later, even though we do many, many more things than that, that's still our core function. So it's a very interesting job. I feel very blessed to have had it for now. I've been there 12 years, going on my 13th, and so it's, it's a great job, and every day is different. You served in the legislature for a long time, and I think you were chair of Judiciary Committee, perhaps? That's correct, Judiciary yeah. Rules and Administration. Right. Obviously, you knew your way around the legislature. What's it like going back there from the other side, if you will, that is from, from the administrative side at this point? It's really tough because there are a lot of <laughs> aha moments. Uh, we'll be uh, in an executive management meeting, and I'll look at a, uh, somebody will be, bring a problem that they've got, and I'll say, well, that's kind of stupid. Where did that regulation come from or where did that piece of legislation come from? And they'll get kind of a sheepish look on their face and say, well, in 1998, you voted for that. <laughs> and so I have to eat a lot of crow to start with. But, uh, yeah, it gives me a different perspective. I think it's been helpful to have been part of the legislature. But I, I will tell you, now that I've been on the executive side, there are things that I would do a lot differently had I have had the executive side experience first. I think maybe I was a little hard on state agencies and state employees, and I look at that through a different lens now. And, and certainly had I had this experience first, I maybe would have been a, a little kinder, gentler legislator <laughs> than I actually was. So what's more fun, legislature or Department of Agriculture? If you were told that you had to spend the next 25 years doing one or the other, which would you choose? Well, I wouldn't go back to the legislature. Uh, I think I got some very good years there, and it was I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. But I appreciated the time period that I was there. I think there was a different 
sense. I'm not saying it's not still there because I think the Idaho legislature still has some collegiality and some commonality and some core values that sometimes get lost in other legislative bodies. And I'm, you know, you look at D.C. to start with. And But absolutely, I'm, I'm passionate about my job at the Department of Ag. And I, you know, when I re-up this time, some of the folks on the transition committee said, well, so you've been there a long time. And I have, but I still love it. It's new and exciting every day. You know, I think I've been blessed to be where where I needed to be at a certain point in my life. And, and um, you know, I had a lot of enthusiasm, probably not a lot of wisdom when I was in the legislature, but there were a lot of folks that were very patient with me, and I was able to provide some youth and enthusiasm and maybe some brashness that I wish I could take back now. <laughs> And I had some very good mentors that provided the wisdom and the guidance. But right now, I, I really enjoy the Department of Ag, and it's, it's where I want to be now. I've been reading a lot lately about states that are trying to deal with the hemp issue at this point. <laughs> and so I'm assuming that that's an issue that your department has to deal with as well. That is an issue. If it's legalized for hemp, which is in the Farm Bill, it will come to the Department of Ag. I guess I've been a little smug because we're one of four states that has not had to deal with it in any regard. And personal philosophy aside, I don't get paid to interject in that. That'll be the governor and the legislature that make that policy decision. But as far as an implementer, yeah, that will come to the Department of Ag, and it will be a heavy lift for us and law enforcement to be able to do the inspections, the regulations that will come with that. But there isn't even guidance yet from USDA on what they want out of this new farm bill. So lots of questions out there, but it it will be a heavy lift for the Department of Agriculture if it is legalized. You think it will be in Idaho? I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Very good. Well, we want to thank you so much for for coming in and for chatting with us. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's been fun. It's great. Thank you. Okay, Gary, Celia Gould, fascinating lady, very sharp. She knew exactly what what she was talking about, having been both a lawmaker and uh, now in the administration. Celia is always so, so well-spoken. I've known her for many years, and I enjoy having her on this kind of uh, program. The discussion with Celia today dovetails in with uh, a bill that's been uh, introduced and is kind of wandering its way through the the chambers right now, and that's House Bill 100. This is a bill that would change the legislative veto power in Idaho. The legislature passes bills— but obviously, they don't implement the bills. It's the agencies. It's agencies like Celia Gould's Department of Agriculture that have to administer the laws. And the way they do that is they pass rules for how they're going to implement these, these laws. And also, they pass uh, sometimes fee increases to go along with those things. But the legislature has the authority to review those. Essentially, what this is about is the legislature passes these laws, but then they cede some of their authority to the agencies to carry that, th- those laws out. But 
In Idaho and in most states, the legislature ultimately has the authority to review those rules and decide if this was legislative intent or not. The way it works in Idaho, and Idaho, by the way, has a very strong legislative veto power compared to most state legislatures. It's already one of the states with the strongest legislative veto. This bill would change the way it works. The way it currently works in Idaho is that a rule, if it's objected to by one chamber or by the committee in one chamber, the House uh, or the Senate, the House or the Senate, but the other chamber takes no action on it, the rule goes into effect. In other words, one chamber objecting is not enough to kill that rule. You may remember that last year the House objected to, uh, I think it was the House Education Committee in particular, objected to the, uh, some aspects of the science curriculum that was being put together by Department of, Ed- of Education. But the Senate did not object, and therefore that rule went into effect. Gotcha. Under this change, if it were to become law, and this is House Bill 100, it changes the dynamic there so that both chambers have to agree to approve of a rule change. So they have to sign off on it. They have to sign off on it, and they would each have to do that through a resolution. So this does a couple of things. First of all, it probably means a lot more work for the legislature because now they have to take a vote on every one of those rules in order for the rule to go into effect. And we're talking about usually somewhere between 180 and 190 rules. That's a lot. It's a lot. So that would, that would add to some of the workload. The other thing it does is it changes essentially the power between the chambers. Right now, if we take the case from last year with the science curriculum, the House basically objected, but the Senate didn't. So by the Senate not objecting, the rule went into effect. In other words, the House objection didn't really matter in the long run. The new rule would be that both chambers have to approve of something. So if the House objected and the Senate approved, essentially the House would win under the new rule. The House position would be a veto over what the Senate did. So it's a great example of what looks like a fairly subtle change in the rule actually has pretty important consequences. It's It's a very good example of the fact that rules are never neutral. And any change in the rules almost always has some kind of political consequence. Legislative Breakdown is a podcast from Boise State Public Radio. I'm Samantha Wright with Boise State Political Science Professor Gary Moncrief. Our original music comes from local artist and composer Will Hall of the bands Nude Dude and Like the Dog. Nude Dude will be performing at Tree Fort on March 22nd at Tom Greeny's basement, and he's also in High Hazel. That'll be at March 24th at the Elcor Shrine. If you like this podcast, shout it out on Twitter or Facebook. And remember, it's your legislature.